What are you drinking? I am actually drinking uh, Charles Shaw wine. It's the Char- the Shiraz. The Shiraz? A Charles Shaw? Have you, you never heard of Charles Shaw? I don't think so. Have you heard of Two Buck Chuck? No. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I say. Who's Charles All right, Shaw? All right, sit down. Chuck. <laughs> sit down. You need to learn about this. Yeah. All right. At Trader Joe's, ah. the way, yeah, one of the things they've done, they do, or they did, and they're doing, <laughs> you know, what they do is they buy a lot of stuff and they'll sell it pretty cheap, but sometimes they'll get, um, even when it's alcohol and stuff, there was a Moscovia vodka they once had. And I'm like, I don't even know what this is. And it was like a, it, it looked kind of similar to Stoli's. But it was pretty good vodka. And what they did is they they just bought all of it. Like, <laughs> oh, you got all these, you got four billion pallets you need to get rid of. We'll take it all at a bargain price. And then we'll sell it for $7 a bottle. And everybody's like, $7 a bottle? How can you... It could be, you know, paint thinner. It'd be cheap. Right, right exactly. So, for vodka, yeah. Yeah, so that was the thing. So, yeah, that stuff. I used to love that stuff. So, um, that's what they'll do. But they'll do that stuff, you know, they've had like a like a, a Chex Mick, a Chex-esque kind of cereal once that they were selling for like 99 cents a box. But then when it was gone, it was gone. Right. So they'll do something like that. I think that's like how the 99 cent store works. That makes sense. You know. So, so what's this what wine? they did is this <clears throat> wine is Charles Shaw wine. And what they do is they like buy all the grapes from vineyards, like their leftover grapes. So if you're the Robert Mondavi vineyard or the um, Kendall Jackson or something like that, those are nice, you know, bottles right. of wine, you know, that are, you know, between 10 and $20 you know, closer to $20 range and stuff like that. Or they'll get cheaper, you know, $4 grapes. And what they do is they just take them all and they, and they mash it up and then they make this wine, but they get it like wholesale. Cause it's like, these are your leftover grapes. They're just going to be raisins soon if you don't do it. <laughs> so we'll, we'll buy them from you, you know, at bargain prices and we'll just make we'll this wine. Ourselves. And then that's funny. Then, then they they could do it and label it and make it cheap enough that they could sell it for two dollars. So it's legit a Trader Joe's wine. Yeah, but it doesn't say Trader Joe's on it, which is yeah. I, I've never seen it anywhere other than Trader Joe's, but it's not a Trader Joe's brand gotcha. wine, even though it's a Trader Joe's wine. But they do have things like that. They have had like Trader Joe's Chardonnay, or they've had like Trader Joe's whiskeys and stuff. Interesting. But this one, they never called it that. But as far as I know, unless it's there is a Charles Shaw that does it exclusively with Trader Joe's. Yeah, that was my question. Of that was going to be my next question: Who's this Charles Shaw guy? Is he the guy who came up with the idea, or is he maybe just a? But the idea is you'd always get it for two bucks. So, but what was funny is you get a two dollar bottle of wine, and actually the grapes they used to make it and everything were a fifteen dollar bottle of wine. So, nice. but the problem is it's it's a little inconsistent. So right. there's so many because of them that are like, leftovers. "This is, yeah, this is really good." Right. I can't believe this is this little because it tastes like a twelve dollar bottle of wine, or something. Or you would like I used to bring it to places, and people would be like, "This is really good wine," but they never knew it was so cheap. Right. Is this sacramental wine? It. It's so delicious. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And then the fact was, then you know when they did like news articles and stuff on it, everybody knew about it. But when it first came out. You know, so, but, so it was always called two by Chuck, but the problem is outside of the state of California, it was $3. It was two ninety nine a bottle because especially here in Nevada, I don't know if you know this, but there's like old mob rules or whatever. And you cannot pur- purchase any booze in this state that is not bought from a Nevada distributor. Right. We had this discussion before. I found that really interesting. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, if you're new to the podcast. If you're new to the uh, podcast. Or, or new to David and I talking. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what we used to do is they'd have the Charles Shaw wine. And we in, in California, you had the warehouse. And what happened is the California stores would go, all right, I need uh, two pallets of the wine. And I need these beers and these wines and this. Give me a case of that. And they just drop it off with the groceries. Which tripped me out because I worked in Vegas for so long. So when I worked out there, I was like, we get this on the same truck as the canned goods? <laughs> you know? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, oh. But for us, what we do is we bought everything from, you know, Southern Wine and Spirits or DeLuca or Nevada Beverage or whatever. And you'd have to check it all in and be all careful with that stuff because it wasn't our stuff. It was, you know, you're buying it from them. And but what happened is anything that was Trader Joe's brand, like the Charles Shaw wine per se, is that Trader Joe's had to sell it to Southern right. Wine and Spirits, and then, and then they would sell it to the store to Joe's. Um, 97 and store 98, yeah. you know, and we had to buy it individually. That's so, so that's where that extra dollar came from because right. that's Southern Wine and Spirits. Like if you're beats. coming into our state, you're going to pay a tax, but it's not a tax. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, I'm drinking. Um, I I don't know if I ever pronounce this correct, but I call it Hogarden. I don't know if it is Hogarden. It is Hogarden. Okay, that's what I always call well, it. Well, unless it's different, but everybody calls it Hogarden. Right, exactly. It's a Belgian wheat beer. Um, yeah, it's, it's good like stuff. a half of Eisen, but different. Yeah, yeah. Because it's wheat beer. You're right. Right, right. Yeah, half of Eisen, wheat beer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a Belgian style, which again, uh, I, we talked about this on the podcast at one time too. Belgian style beers was a knockoff of the. Uh, um, Benedict and monks uh, creating the the doubles and the triples in their um, Trappist style beers, mm-hmm. but they can't call it Trappist because it has to have a particular you know there's particular rules in order for something to be a Trappist beer, so they call it Belgian yeah, style. Yeah, they have to pray over it. <laughs> you know what thing? One thing I noticed that um, I started noticing on more and more bottles uh, that the ingredients are the ingredients, the instructions on how to pour. Uh, and this one has instructions on how to pour. It says to chill it, to pour two-thirds of it, to then swirl the bottle, and then top off and enjoy, which I had been doing already. I didn't realize that that was the actual way to, to pour this, though. But, um, mm. yeah, look at that. So, there you go. If you need instructions on how to pour your beer, Hogarden will teach you. Also, oh, cool. this... always pour your beer. Does it say to pour it down the center? Like, so it foams up and stuff, too? Uh, you no. If it's in a bottle, you should you should always pour it pretty hard, though. Not yeah. not, not necessarily straight down, but um, this one says to pour two thirds because it is gonna it's gonna foam up. Like you can see right now, like that's mm. yeah, it's it's got a lot of foam in there. Lisa likes sweet beers a lot. I do too, actually, and I don't know why, but I I tend to like them a lot during this time of year. I don't know if wheat beer is supposed to be a summer beer because it's a yeah. fall. It is. Well, warmer weather. Okay, because I was going to say, because, like, what's the wheat harvest is in the fall, though, isn't it? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I thought wheat harvest was in the fall. I could be totally wrong. Maybe maybe wheat harvest is a spring harvest. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever's going on nowadays, beer's 24, <laughs> 24-7, 365. Yeah, but it no, came... But yeah, yeah, go ahead. Most of, Yeah, most of your summer ales or your summertime beer on, you know, your seasonal tap. Yeah. Or whatever's going to be like a wheat beer or something like that. Or it's lighter. And that's the thing. It's right. hot. I don't right. want a freaking heavy beer. Exactly. I want a light beer and stuff. Like, yeah. Like I don't know. One of the best beers I ever had was a Coors Light when I was moving a friend of mine. Because <laughs> we were in that hot, you know, in the truck, you know, yeah. where it's 15 <laughs> degrees warmer than the outside. And he's like, here, I got these Coors. And you drink it. It's, it's, it's almost water anyway. You're like... <laughs> Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I'm so refreshed. I cannot drink Coors Light. I tried. I tried. You could that like, day. You could that day. But that, <laughs> oh, this used to taste like urine to me, but now it's delicious. <laughs> oh, yeah, but it's pretty close to that. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not a big Coors Light fan either. And but I do like a lot of like the lighter, like the blondes right. or something like that. Sometimes. When you know you got your summer blonde, you know who was girl she used to have one that you, you know I can't find anymore, but it was called the summer blonde, and it's a real light yellow lager, and they used to sell it in a clear bottle where the other ones were in you know a um, green and you know 
uh, brownish bottle. And I was like, whoa. And it was just so crisp and flavorful. You know, like that's why I like Stella and stuff like that. Yeah, Stella's good stuff. Stella is also a uh, Belgian too, though, yeah? Yes, it is. Yeah. But yeah, I still gotta talk to Father John about the funeral. Oh yeah, you should. Now's the time. Yeah, I guess. Before I have to have the my dad's funeral as a what's it called a, a memorial mass a year later. <laughs> well, he actually thought that you might be doing it over at um, Holy Family. Oh, Father John says something about that. Yeah, yeah, he asked me. Uh, you know what? Honestly, I did, you know, just a peek behind the curtain. I, I don't know what it was, but when mom died, I did it there because it was just like, I need Father Steve to do it. Not like I can't have Father Steve come to our church. Right. You know, because I know him and Father John are pretty close still. And, you know, so they've been, you know, it's a little more easier when the priests get along. Right. But. I don't know, but that's also, that was my grandparents' church, my mom's parents, so I felt like that was more at home for her, or whatever, and so. Well, wherever you wherever you go, wherever you have the funeral, you know, either GV or myself, or both of us will be there. I know, and that's, you know, and I, and I actually used you guys as examples, because I was trying to say, it's like, if we do something here, and people from California don't want to travel, it's going to be... I don't want to say lame, but it's not like my dad had a lot of friends and stuff in yeah. recent years. Right. But it's been, you know, I'm like, okay, all my Vegas family, which isn't a lot. It's like my sister and my cousin, their kids, and another cousin and my aunt and her two kids. And, you know, but it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're filling up a pew. Right. You know, and then he doesn't have, and then you'll probably get some people from the Highland Games. And I might get a bunch of search people because he worked that for, you know, five yeah. or so years. So you're getting a bunch of people who are about my age. Were coming because they were all, you know, teenagers or 20 when they were, you know, he was, you know, helping them out and stuff. So you might get them. And then I said, and then we're going to get a bunch of people supporting, you know, me and Sarah or something. Right. So I'm like, David and Jeevu will probably go, but because of me. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah. Well, I like, we love Mo. Liked, yeah. Jeevu liked Mo a lot. And she was yeah. like his guardian angel at times. <laughs> Yeah, she watched over him a, a, a lot. We prayed for him a lot. Yeah, I know you guys prayed for him way more than I did. <laughs> but I mean, that's the thing. So I'm like, uh, you know, is it even worth doing it out here? Kind of, but I don't right. know. So I'll see. Because I mean, I want to see. Because I'm not going to pay, you know, no crazy amount of money to do it in California. Right. But if you do end up having it in California. Just so you know, we will show up, but we'll also probably go to Disneyland. <laughs> oh, that's why you want me to do it there. So, well, so we have to sell, support Neil. Yeah, we'll definitely be there. Uh, we won't make it to the wake because. <laughs> but we'll also be going to Disneyland. I know, huh? Yeah. Have you looked into that? I have. I've been stalking it every single day. There's still tickets aren't aren't available yet. Like you can't buy new tickets. But if you already had purchased tickets or you had a season pass and you can go ahead and schedule your stay or whatever. Okay. But but I'm waiting. I wonder what the pricing is. Yeah, I'm waiting. I don't even care. Like, well, just... And I can't even blame them. Like when I see stuff where they're like, here's a 10% COVID tax. Right. And I'm like, yeah, you deserve it. But you know yeah. who should be paying that are the damn governors for closing them down. Sorry. Yep. Yeah, because they did it all stupid. Like uh, this, we talked about this before too. Was like this whole thing. Is I like, think we cut most of this out. Oh, did we really? <laughs> oh, the idea well, was like, why, why not figure two, it out? We talked about we talked about COVID for two hours, and you put it into a five minute best sure of joke thing. <laughs> That's right. I sure did. I forgot. And we probably didn't piss anybody off because it's only funny things. <laughs> That's true. But the, the whole idea is like, I don't understand why, like. If if we just imagined that this was going to be the the virus that is going to wipe out the world or whatever, or that's going like to like the stand, yeah, yeah. If it's going to be that, you know, and it's never going to go away, we're never going to get herd immunity. There's hundreds of viruses out there that we don't have immunity for. I mean, like we just deal with it. Uh, this is one of those things that you just like. Okay, well, let's not shut down the world. Let's figure out how to work in the midst of all this stuff. Like, just like what we're doing at the church, right? So the governor did something stupid, right? He said, churches can only have 50 people. 
And what do we do? We do we like, oh no, let's let's shut down the churches then. No, we're like, all right, well let's figure out how we I mean, our our priests are exhausted, our staff is exhausted, because we're we're not only doing the six normal masses that we do on a weekend, but we're doing eight additional masses during the weekday plus the regular five daily masses. You know, this is this is insane. And we're 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 doing all of this stuff to make it work in the current conditions that we have because that's that's what we've been given and so therefore we work at it that's that's exactly the what i mean that's what makes father john a good pastor because he's going to he's not going to say i'm going to shut down stuff because this doesn't fit my my mold of what i want of my ideal situation but rather it's the situation that i have so therefore i'm going to go for it you know and and that's what what our governors should have tried to figure out how to do. How do I operate in the midst of, oh, as I'm smacking my microphone, which was stupid. Uh, how do I operate in the midst of all of this mess, in the midst of this pandemic? How do we figure out how to make sure people can still be at work, how to make sure that companies can still uh, operate and and safe, safely for the community um, Instead of just saying, oh, screw this, let's just shut everything down. You know, that was dumb. Right. And I hate the fact that when you say, oh, we should open things up, everybody just assumes you just open up the floodgates and let the disease go everywhere. Right. And they're already calling you like crazy person and that you don't care if you kill grandma for the dollar. And I'm right. like, this is people's livelihood. And I didn't say like just open everything up and flood it. I mean, it, the way we're doing this – this opening now, like these phased openings where it's like, now you can go to restaurants, but you have to have half capacity and the waiters have to have masks and you have to have paper plates and crap. Like, I, let me tell you, it was a big turnoff going to the restaurant and get like paper plates <laughs> and stuff. And it's like, really? Why am I paying you guys? I can have paper plates at home kind of thing. You know, it's just... All this other crap you got to deal with. But we could have done that two months ago. Right. Exactly. You know, all this stuff. Once we, Because the whole idea of shutting down was to to flatten the curve. Right. So we didn't have 50 people going into 10 hospital beds. Right. And guess what? We flattened it and we flattened it hard and we put five people in 10 hospital beds. Yep. And the hospitals, some hospitals were overflowing. Like I know in New York City, it's a thing when they brought oh, yeah. that big old naval ship that didn't get filled. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're trying to build hospitals in Central Park and stuff. And it was, they didn't need it all. And most of the rest of the country didn't even get close to it. We handled it well. And three cheers for America. And what's it called? You know, I mean, a lot of stuff still happened. There was yeah, still a lot of, of tests and there's still yeah, people it's crazy. Going the hospital but when you're predicting like a million people getting sick or something like that and it's not even you know well no sorry many people happen but you don't have that many people dying and stuff like they're saying and right and you know when they say confirmed cases you know some of these people could be confirmed and have no symptoms right some of these people could not even be sick some of these people might and even if they are sick they could be healthy enough to just have a real bad flu upstairs but that all counts in and then you see the numbers of how many people are positive you your mind immediately says those people are on respirators right just grasping to live so if there's a million people just barely surviving but it's not right. you know and once we, okay sorry that was too much but once the curve was flattened we should have sat there and said okay now we can open some stuff and let's do social distance let's do masks let's do hand washing exactly. because there was even other studies to show that most you know in new york they were showing that 66 percent of new cases at one point were people who were confined so oh, they were yeah. quarantined and all was all sharing, especially there with sharing elevators and hallways and cramped places and all these apartments all together. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And it showed that like 6% of people who were catching COVID or something like that were actually people working with COVID. So if you're like a doctor on the floor, surrounded by COVID patients, interacting with them. But wearing masks and trying to keep social distancing and washing hands and stuff. But you're in the lion's den. It's not like, hey, I might get it going to the store. Probably won't, but there's a chance. If you're going on the third floor, you know you're going to be in front of the COVID patients. Yeah, right. And not just one, every effing room. And, you know, there was still 
like a tenth of the people in the hospitals than it was people getting sick, you know? Right. So there's yeah, ways there to even, counteract it. There was even a hospital. I can't remember which one, um, but GB was telling me about it that uh, ended up firing their CFO because they turned their parking lot into a um, uh, a – I don't know, like a, a triage with rooms and beds and all this stuff. Like they spent they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to be able to have equipment out in the parking lot, expecting this flood of people to show up with with COVID, and they never used any of it. And so their CFO got canned because it was his idea, and he said we have to do this in order to get in front of this, or else we're going to have people banging down the doors. We're not going to have enough beds and all these other things that the the media was scaring everybody about. And then whenever it didn't happen, they're like, dude. You just you just proved you're worthless to this company, and they fired him. Wow. Yeah. Because it. Yeah, because isn't there a way to sit there and plan to do something like that? Right. And not do it. Exactly. There should have been. <laughs> that's the crap my dad used to do. He'd be the type of person who says, "I'm going to build a deck on the back porch." And then he buys all the wood and it just sits there for six years. <laughs> or he'll be like the guy who sits there and and tries to get the saw and not buy the wood. And it's like, well, what are we going to do with this saw? And that's just the thing. And and then I feel like when we're doing all the closures and stuff, we save, you know, everybody's like, oh, look how many lives we probably saved because we did that. But it's like, are we doing like, what is it? Uh, dimes, dimes smart and a dollar stupid or what is it? Uh, what? I don't know. <laughs> There's like a term where, you know, you save a penny, but you lose a dollar yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Like you put more effort into saving a, it usually a goes. Dime. It usually goes the other way around. You're like um, a penny for a pound is, is the idea. Um, is but if it, yeah, a pound for a penny is, uh, is the reverse of the saying. Yeah. Yeah. But there's something when it's like something smart and dumb. <laughs> of course, I sound dumb saying it like that. But the idea is, you know, you're saving, a, you know, X amount of lives, but how many are we ruining? You know, right. you know, how many, how much are we hurting the lower class? Because now we've ruined the economy and there's no jobs. So all these people are going to be out of work. So obviously life is more important than, than, than your socioeconomic status. You could be poor, but being poor and alive is better than being poor and dead in a gutter. Obviously, they're like life is is more valuable than than economic status, um, but at the same time, you're right. They did screw this up. They um, they went about this as like let's kill the economy uh, without trying to figure out okay how can we maybe use that um, Department of Health and Human Services that we have in order to l- maybe go into businesses and help them figure out how they can make this work. You know, <laughs> this is like, like it, it seems to me one of the easiest things to, to do would be to create a committee, like throw, throw money at this for, for, for something, you know, like create a committee that goes into say that, that their expertise is churches or whatever. And they go in and they see what you're doing. Uh, what your, what, what your circular, uh, what the, the air circulation system that you have, what precautions that you're taking, what policies and procedures you have in place they say, okay, well, based on these and and the size of your building, we'll let you do 20% capacity. Or we'll let you do 40% capacity, just depending on the situation. You know, it just rather or than doing 80% capacity. Yeah. Rather than doing these stupid blanket things that, that completely shut everything down. Like that was that was a terrible idea. Oh, like the like the health department for restaurants. Exactly. Yeah. You go around and you can see this and you're like, hey, what your here's like the comic book store. They yep. sit there and says they can't have more than fifteen people in the store. And I've been there, you know, I don't go every week, but often enough that I've never seen fifteen people in there <laughs> other than like free comic book day, which is an event. It's like their Black Friday. It's like their big deal that everybody goes and there's face painters in it. It's almost like the the, the feast of St. Francis, but for comic books. <laughs> you know? So I understand that that place is not going to get 15 people. So who right. cares? The dry cleaner next door to it. I've never seen more than one person in line. So, ooh, it's easy to keep social distance. There's exactly. two people in there. So why would you close it or something? Yep. You know? And all these other kinds of businesses that are small, they should be easily open because yep. the fact is 
they're small businesses and there's only a few people in there at a time. But you know, but now like I went to Best Buy today and they like, hey, kind of like, hey, do you know what you're doing? I was looking for a sound bar. Go on in. Do you know what sound bars are? Yes. Go hurry up. Get it. You know. <laughs> you know, and I was like, I was turning on my headphones because they, they, the right headphone was going out. And I said, I'm trying to get my warranty on the headphone. They said, do you have the warrant? Do you know that you already bought it? Yes, I do know that I bought it. And they're like, go buy, go look for the headphones you want, then go in line so you don't have to stay longer and go in line twice. Okay, whatever you say, you know, but... You know, you got to do all this stuff. And yeah. you should have people to sit there and say, hey, yeah, you can put some people in a Michaels, but, you know, yeah. or whatever. And and that's the thing, too. You know, I don't want people to get me wrong. And like you said, you know, econo- economics is not more important than life. I mean, I don't want to sit there and say, ah, who cares? They're over, you know, because right. that's my other thing, too, is, you know, most of the deaths are over like 80 and 90 years old. You know, people who will probably die of, weak things anyway that's the problem that's the way our human body is and it sucks and if if you were to tell me that you know my kids will live to be 88 i'd be happy you know because they probably live a full life and stuff that's the you know i wish my parents lived to be in their 80s but (laughs) that's you know just where we're at right now so it's like it's good to be that you know that thing where we're, we're, the media is, you know, not saying, they're, they're, like you were saying before, they're not telling you that most people are dying of this thing in that age range. So, like you said, with blankets, oh, everybody has to act like yeah, this. Exactly. Where it should be, hey, you know what? You have some health issues. You should be, I don't need you coming to work. You can work from home. You could do right. this because you're at risk. Hey, you old guys, you are at risk. You know, and I don't want to be like, ah, don't worry. They're just old people. They can die because they're right. going to likely die from too much sunlight or the, a stiff breeze, you know. <laughs> but the fact is, if we ruin the economy, you're going to ruin people's livelihoods enough. And then people might just die because of poor health or, you know, like, um, what's it called? You know, I don't know what I'm thinking of. Uh, you know, because they're in such poor economic ruin or bankruptcy or something. And then there's all these people who are super depressed. And then the suicide rates are, are skyrocketing. And the, uh, what's it called? The, the spousal abuse and domestic abuse is high. And yeah. all the, like, the phone numbers that are receiving these calls, you know, are getting a week's worth in a day or whatever and stuff. And it's hurting, you know, that way. Yep, that is a, that is an issue. It's one of the one of the things that, like, so I have a um, a former student who's a, who's a teacher who's sometimes goes to the little extreme of things, but uh, he, his whole thing is talking about um, uh, domestic abuse and uh, particularly abuse of children that is going to skyrocket right now. That it currently is skyrocketing right now because of uh, um, people being stuck at home. That we forget that sometimes schools are a safe haven for children who don't have good and healthy families and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and and rather than trying to figure out how to make the schools work, like what are we sitting here doing? Like um, at the parish, we're trying to figure out come fall, how are we going to get a thousand kids on our campus every week for confirmation religious education classes. Um, and keep social distance and stuff. We're not saying we're not going to have these classes. We're saying let's figure out how we're going to do it. You know, we're talking about doing alternating weeks where you come every other week and then you do a lesson at home or or whatever it happens to be. You know, whatever we end up with, in order to make sure that the people that come here on property can safely social distance. That's uh, that there's going to be extremely low risk. All those other things, you know, because because that's the reality that we live in. But even our our freaking our, our school district, like they still don't have a plan for how they're gonna how they're gonna open up here. They're just they're just shooting in the dark. <laughs> and I think I I told Lisa the other day. I said I think our whole point is they need to wait until like August and see where we are. Because what they're going to do is if they say today, if we open up schools today, it has to be like this. And then everybody's going to freak out because this and this and that and that. And then guess what? July 1st comes and it's like, oh, well, now we could do this. 
Yeah, well, the problem is they're asking shows up and then they change it to that. And now we've already had four plans because this is what we're doing now. And then on August 1st, it's now something else. So you've already taken these parents and teachers and you put them through the ringer because the things changed five times. I think what they're doing or this is what I would do, but I'm not the superintendent (laughs) is if I had a superintendent here and I don't, but. what we call a callback but <laughs> you know i would not do anything until early you know to like i don't know late july early august you know maybe a week or so before everything starts and i mean i don't know because then maybe the state's going to be at a point where they're like hey you know guess what we can run phase four and we can do things and right we reopen well, the, pro- the brothels so <laughs> well the problem with that is is that they're asking people to register their kids for school now like, like we're getting constant emails that hey, you haven't registered Joel for for a school for a school. You haven't registered Isaac's for school or or whatever like that. I'm like, huh, we're not gonna. So, like, because yeah, Joel, but you would have done it anyway if there was. Yeah, we would have done not. it anyway. But Joel's gonna be going to St. Francis this year, and then Isaac's gonna be homeschooled. Um, but but the thing is, like, they don't have a plan, and they're oh, they still need their numbers, right? Yeah, exactly. They're still hounding us as to, like register, 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 and uh, there's a lot of parents out there that are like, "How am I going to register if I don't even know how you're going to have classes? If you're going to have classes or any of this, any of this other stuff, you know, how do I? What am I supposed to do here? What if I want to put my kid in public school based on or in a private school based on whatever your plan's going to be, but you don't have a plan? I. I honestly, and I don't want to seem too cynical, but I think they're going to have to get to a point where it's going to be like, you know, well, first they're going to have to put kids in the school right? soon because if they're going to do distance learning for like a year, yep. then what the hell am I paying my taxes for mm-hmm. if you're not going to teach these kids? Because I don't know how much the teacher's actually doing. I know that there's a lot of teachers doing a lot of stuff. Right. But if you're finding out that it's like, ah, you know, there's this and this and this. And it's like, well, why do I need to pay that much? Exactly. Why do I need to do this? What are you, what am I actually getting out of this? Because it's like, that's the same thing, too. Because, like, if they don't go to St. Francis' school physically, why would I pay for that tuition if I'm not going to get? And how much are they going to get or whatever? So there's one thing is they're going to have to put kids there. Because sooner or later, you're going to stop wanting to pay for schools if they're not going to have people there. Yep. doing their full job the other thing too is if businesses are open and a lot of businesses are open you know those people are gonna have to go to work yep. and a lot of people need to go to work because they don't have money yep and what are they gonna do with those kids and a lot of these kids you know school's kind of the daycare you know so all of a sudden, if you have to, all I hear about is, all, you know, luckily my kids are too, too little, but you hear about that. It's like, Hey, I got to work from home and I got to teach from home. You know, I got to teach my kids. I got to work here. I got to do this. I got to do that. And my wife has to do this and that. So we have to switch off the kids depending on what meetings we do. So in a sense, I work till 7 p.m. to get all my job done over the computer and blah, blah, blah. And that's where people are right now. And guess what? Now you're not working from home anymore and you're in the office. What are you going to do with those kids? Exactly. Yeah. And how are they going to get taught? Because the teacher can't do everything online. Right. Right. So yes. they're gonna have to put kids in there so that the parents don't completely revolt. And and just like I would say a good half of the kids that I talk to in you know, just just talking with, with teens or whatever and, and Oh, our high school kids and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, those who are being confirmed, about half of them are like, Yeah, my teachers didn't even care anymore. Like they they would either have fake assignments or just stuff that you watch on YouTube or something like that and not actually have any kind of thing where you have to connect or actually have to show up or be in a Zoom call or any of these other things. And I'm like, yeah, how's that, how's that going to work out? Because you, you do obviously are going to have those burnt out teachers who are going to constantly do that kind of stuff. They're going to do the bare minimum uh, on a, um, uh, that, they're, that they're required to do um, in, a, in a distance class versus if they were actually there. Like even terrible teachers, whenever their students are there, they're like, oh, you're physically in front of me, so I, you know, I actually have to do something for you. Um, 
but behind a computer screen, you know, that gives you a little bit of distance. Like even Joel's teacher, which she was clearly burnt out. I don't know how long she's been doing this, but she was just forwarding stuff that she had, that was put out by common sense media. And like, it took me a minute to figure it out, but I'm like, I get these same emails from, (laughs) from another organization here. (laughs) And clearly it's the same stuff that you're sending out to my kid and calling this your work day. Right. And that's the thing. And they're still all getting paid. And the school district is still... And you know the bulk of the school district's budget is salary. Right. That's how it is with any business. Of course. So the idea is you could save a little money because we haven't had the air on or the lights on in these schools. But when that's, you know, 10% of your your budget and and 70% is salaries and you're putting it out there. Yep. I mean, yeah. They gotta just open schools, right? And they gotta and figure out how to do it. Yeah, but the other thing too is they just—I don't know—they might just have to just—I don't know. We have to figure something out, and hopefully, COVID calms down a little, or right. we realize that you know kids are probably the best people to be exposed to it because of how resilient they are to it. Right. If they don't kill or their whatnot. parents, or if they don't huh? have any under, if they don't kill their parents or have any underlying. You know, yeah, disease, you no, know, it's true. You're themselves. right, yeah. and and those are things you have to look at. Oh yeah, you know, if I have a kid who's super weakly and ill or something, mm-hmm. maybe that's the one I keep home and see if there's a way to homeschool him for that right. year. But, like Isaac, like uh, he just because of uh, his autism, he has uh, a lower immune system than most kids, and the fact that he um, can't take medicine well without throwing up, you know, oh, that makes him. That makes him even even more of an issue of, uh, you know, if he gets sick, he takes forever to recover. Like, See, that's the... Yeah. Yeah, well, you're homeschooling him anyway. We're so homeschooling we're him anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, the fact, too, is you, you... But the thing, too, is people are like, well, how do we do social distancing, and blah, 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 and all that. And kind of the answer is if you need to do it, hopefully you don't need to, and you can put schools back the way they were, or whatnot, and hopefully that's what happens in August. It probably won't. Maybe I'm too pie in the sky sometimes. But if you look at logistics, you can't just sit there and say, well, we could put half the kids in here. Right. Because the only way you could do it is do half a school day. Right. So instead of being at school for six hours, now you're there for three hours. And then the next class comes in, and now you're still getting half your education per se. Right. Because you can't do it like year-round stuff because you only have so many teachers. And we already Mm -hmm. don't have enough teachers. So if we're already super shy on teachers when they're like, we need like 2,000 teaching jobs that we could fill any minute now, you know, because our classes are so overcrowded. Well, what are you going to do? Have a full day of 15 kids? Or, you know, well, classes aren't 30 full, 30 kids full. But, you know, (laughs) see if 20 in a class. Okay, you you have 10, you know. Uh, your first half of the day and then you work a second half so you have 12 hour shifts you know you can't do that without twice the teachers or you have to make the teachers do that now they have to do that for the same pay right do their lessons instead of six times a day 12 times a day yep yep no yep it's not going to work out no it's not the building can hold more you don't have the staff to do it so what do you do you figure yeah I don't, I, they don't pay me, but I'm almost <laughs> to the point where I'm, I'm almost like, you gotta, you know, it won't work out the way they want it to. And right. things are just going to fall apart. They already talked about say, like, oh, everybody stay home. I'm doing a late start in September instead of August. Well, that might be okay. Maybe we cut out a month. Right. But you still I mean, we you... cut out three months now and they said, Hey, are you a senior? Well, yep. Congratulations. Go to college next year, hopefully. Hopefully. Bye. Yeah. Sorry that you missed, you know, the last two months. Yeah, of your senior Three year. Three months of school. Yeah, that's probably the worst. Well, it's a good time to pray. Well, the good news is a lot of people want to go to church. Yeah. Yeah. But we can't. <laughs> I know. And maybe this is maybe this is a good thing for the Catholic Church because it's like, hey, this is something that's been steady for 2,000 years where, you know... And most of the, you know, most of the world or half the world, there's been no interruption. 
you know, there's been places where they didn't, like you were saying, what, Japan for 200 years, right. they didn't have church. Exactly. You know, I know Middle East, they have a lot of stuff underground. And yep. Even China still, you can't, uh, you know, the church is primarily underground with a handful of, like, that's what's always interesting whenever you see the list of, uh, um, you know, uh, bishops named by the Pope. You'll say uh, Pope Francis named 13 or 14 bishops this, this week, and you'll see a list of, like, eight names or something like that because the rest of the bishops are unnamed because they're underground or not they're the bishop of shanghai exactly right i don't see i don't see any like good solutions out of any of this stuff unless we pick up pick that principle of subsidiarity back up that we've lost as a as a culture this idea of uh, um taking care of what we can at the at the most local level where we're so quick to just pass everything f- to the next level like oh somebody else will take care of this somebody else will take care of this somebody else will take care of this um, yeah and then it goes all the way up to the presidency and see how well right. that works exactly and then we can blame him for all of our problems right right rather than rather than solving the problem at the lowest level which we just we just don't do as a culture anymore we we don't know how to um interact with another one another without our own agenda it has to be our own personal agenda and not necessarily the work for the community and that's that's something that's broken and i think it's because of that uh, um i <laughs> i think it's because of the ultra uh, individualism that we have as a culture like you know the um the white flight from the uh, from the cities that created the suburbs you know and then and and then now these suburbs have become safe havens for us as as people and we are no longer um we're no longer like my family unit is is the only unit that matters you know i don't even know who my neighbors are i don't know you know i i know their first names of my my next door neighbor and the neighbor across the street or whatever but i don't know them i don't i don't oh, you do yeah i do <laughs> right because i introduced myself to them but but that was my like christian duty or whatever right it wasn't it wasn't this idea like i i care about what happens to their home and what happens to their family and stuff like that and so i'm going to work in order to um make sure that their family is all taken care of in that that's uh and all those other things because we just don't do that Um, yeah we don't our little communities of like the block party kind of community is not around anymore i know that guy 25 30 years ago uh when we moved into you know my parents moved into the house that you know i went to you know i kind of grew up in or high school years in you know this is early 90s or something but the funny thing too is it was a brand new house so everybody on this cul-de-sac moved in together oh nice so we all kind of like met each other then and we do things where you know maybe once in a while they had all the neighbors over or we had like an outside party and we had that for a couple of years right. and then that kind of stuff all kind of went away per se but you know and then when new people moved in you kind of met them it wasn't as big of a deal but like even my house now like the guy behind me he introduced himself like one of the very first days and he's like here i got this wrench in my truck that i can help you turn the water on right like you know? that's that like think about think about the uh, how how ridiculous it is that just about every every single house or every other house in a neighborhood in las vegas has a swimming pool in it that doesn't make any sense like that means that that somebody said that i i'm i'm I want a swimming pool in my house so I can go swimming there, right? Yeah. And the next door neighbor was, and I don't care whether I'm not gonna I'm not gonna care to invite the next door neighbor over, or you know it does it doesn't make any sense. Like like why why not put in a swimming pool in your backyard and say like this would be great for the community. You know I can invite people over to my house and we can go swimming or whatever. Or even like um, especially in Las Vegas, a lawnmower. You you, you talked about your lawnmower, right? Uh, like you you have a, a push mower how many people in your neighborhood really need a lawnmower not that many right like we're more you say we share the lawnmower share the freaking lawnmower like people back in the day think how many times you, you've seen on television or you heard about 
going next door to borrow a cup of sugar or to borrow somebody's tool for a thing, you know, that wrench that will that will help with whatever. You know, that 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 it was a thing because the communities and the neighborhoods actually cared about one another and and actually realized that their livelihood was tied to the livelihood of their neighbor. And that's just not a thing anymore. Like we don't we don't care about um our neighbor's livelihood and we don't think that our lives are tied to their lives we just pass it off and and say like i'm going to take care of myself and my family and then not worry about anybody else not worry about anybody else in my neighborhood not worry about anybody else that goes to my church not worry about anything else as long as i'm taken care of i find everybody else will have to figure it out on their own like and then and then the 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 uh the groups of people that end up being marginalized like the poor the black community for years look at this black lives movement whole thing that's that's or this that the whole thing that's happening all this stuff comes out of this lack of subsidiarity of actually caring for our our neighbors in a real tangible way and thinking that that my neighbor's poverty whatever my neighbor lacks is a lacking in me you know it's something that i lack you know, feeling my neighbor's poverty as my own poverty, feeling my neighbor's suffering as my own suffering. That's the whole point of um, uh, Paul's uh, in First Corinthians, right? Chapter 12, where he says, where one member of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. Yeah. You, know, you know, and yet we don't feel that. We're like, oh, I'm good. So therefore, you know, it doesn't matter if my, if my neighbor next door is suffering or alone or tired or uh, doesn't have anything to do with their kids or whatever because I'm fine. <laughs> I'm kind of guilty of it. Like I said, other oh, than me too. Tim, Tim behind the thing, like my next door neighbors, I don't know their names. I, you know, I said hi to them when I first moved in and, you know, we don't really talk. And then there's the guys across the street. I just kind of met them. They've been there the whole time. So it's been six years or whatnot. Right. And it's just like now I'm like, like, oh, hey, what's up? And we'll say hi. But <laughs> because we don't create the need. Like that's the thing about human nature. Whenever there is a need, that's whenever we reach out. Like uh, that's uh, in uh, um Years ago, whenever people used to borrow sugar and all the, all these other things, uh, it was because it was it wasn't so easy. You know, if if they had a car, it was a one car family, and maybe the right. husband was already taking it out to work or whatever, and so therefore and that wife need that meal. Right, I gotta get dinner ready. Just found out that I don't have sugar. There's no such thing as Amazon. I can't Uber Eats this to my house. You know. And so they're like, oh, well, let's go talk to Mrs. So-and-so next door and see if we can borrow a cup of milk, a cup of sugar, or whatever it happens to be. And subsidiarity, the principle comes out of these these moments of need that in a um, culture of comfort that we've created for ourselves, we're not going to have those instances. You know, we've become so comfort comfortable and complacent in our own suburban paradises that we don't have these instances of need that ever arise and so we don't have a necessary moment to walk over to our neighbors you know last time that gv had to walk over to our neighbors for any help at all happened to be um several years ago whenever it was just joel and isaac um, GV walked into the backyard and Joel locked her in the backyard and her, her cell phone was inside the house and she didn't have, and Isaac was just sitting at the table waiting for food and, and all, and she didn't have any, anything. You gotta her. hide another key. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was before she did it. We did any of that too. And so she, she went up to, she, she got out of the backyard and went to our next door neighbor's house who we didn't know. Because of you know suburban life or whatever, and she said, "Hey, my kid just locked me out of my house. Can I get the phone? Can I borrow your phone so I can, you know, call my husband to come and get me in the house or or yeah. whatever?" And, and does she even know your cell phone number? <laughs> well, she did, but <laughs> but yeah, the, you see what I'm saying? Like the only time subsidiarity becomes a, a becomes a value is in times of need. And as long as we have this culture of comfort, we're never going to we're never going to break out of this out of this individualism. We need to um, we need to create a dependence on one another. Um, 
we need to be uh, unafraid and unashamed to ask for help uh, and, and to, to seek that help in our neighbors. Whether, I mean, if that's not your, your physical next door neighbor, it better sure be your church neighbor. You know, like, but ideally it should be your next door neighbor because, hey, you guys are living together, literally. Like, there's, there's what, 15 feet that separates me from my neighbor, you know, mm-hmm. my, my physical neighbor here. And, and I should I should know more about them than other than the, you know, I say hi to them when they get in the driveway or whenever they're leaving or something like that. And that's terrible. Like, I heard my neighbors um, the other day playing guitar in the backyard. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. I didn't know that they're, you know, it was actually their grandkids or their kids visiting or whatever. And I was like, I didn't know that their kids played guitar. And I was like, I should grab my guitar and see if we want to go over and, you know, jam out together. But I'm like, ah, but also I'm tired and I don't want to do that. So I'm not going <laughs> to. <Right? laughs> and so, you know, that's, that's just, uh, that's, that's the, the sad and sinful state that we're in right now. But the, the the more that we pass this off, the more that this is just going to ke- become more polarizing because it's going to be my guy versus your guy. Because oh, I passed, yeah. Yeah. I passed all my subsidiarity responsibilities on to this guy. I voted for this guy. And so this is your problem, not my problem. And, <laughs> I did say that today. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I didn't vote for him. <laughs> and and this is the this is the whole thing. Like – like we can't we can't keep doing this like we've created now a need we are in in the midst of a community of need we have lots of need and right now our our current um our current strategy is oh the president's got to do something oh it's election year we can vote a new president in if we don't like what this president you, you know that's our strategy it's not right. like it's not like oh well maybe i could go and talk to my neighbor or maybe I can go and see what's what's going on over there. Like, you know, maybe they have toilet paper, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> or whatever it happens to be. That's like this is this is stupid. Like, ugh, ugh, it just disgusts me the state that we're in right now. And I'm in the same boat, which makes me disgusted at myself. Mm, but yeah, I, I'm disgusted with you too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's been so many scenarios where I'm like. I should go and talk to my neighbor right now and see if they're all right or if they need something or um, if I can help with whatever it is that that's going on over there. And I'm like, yeah, I should, but I won't, <laughs> you know, and that's that's terrible. That just reminded me. That's another thing I think's funny is everybody sticks to their guns so much about things like that that they can't admit that. The other guy could have one, a point that's right. Right. Especially, like, even with the COVID stuff. You know, if they find out, like, the one thing they were really sticking to, you know, two months ago, once they're finding out, oh, well, that didn't work out as well, they'll still double down and be like, well, you're wrong. I'm still concerned of people going to the beach because they're going to get COVID. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, they're not. <laughs> you know? They yeah. keep bringing up the beach all the dang time, you know, no matter how many times that science proves it's not the problem. But I don't know. It's like, it's like, well, I can't listen to Don Lemon because I don't agree with his stuff. And I can't listen to Sean Hannity because I don't listen to his stuff. But if they make one point that's good, you can't say I, you know, even if and then, of course, it's like I disagree with everything this guy says. But this point might work. Right. You know, maybe you don't even have to say that. It's just like, hey, you know what? I listened to the crazy right wing guy and he was right about this. It makes sense. And I agree with it. Or I've been listening to the left wing dude and that makes sense. It doesn't have to be what you want or like or whatever. Right. I mean, the guy doesn't have to be, but sometimes they. To make things that work out. I don't know. And that's the thing, like, it always bugs me. It's the fact that we're so segregated and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's even become to the point where it's like, oh, if you like the economy, then you hate people. And now you're a right-wing Republican because you want the economy open. And because I'm not and I'm a left-winger, I say everybody has to stay closed. And all the way up to the point where it's detrimental to me, I don't care. Right. Because that way I'm not falling for your 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 plight to make me agree with you. 
Right. Yeah. And 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 if for whatever reason, politics is the only thing that we do this in. Like, we turn everything political so that way we can we can polarize all this stuff. But we don't actually do that in our. Well, I hope not. In in our in our uh, lived out experience. Like, I think of um, I think of mentors that I've had throughout my life, and I've had you know plenty of plenty of mentors. And there's been things that that I've learned from each of these people that I'm like, this is going to stick with me the rest of my life. And other things that they taught me or they try to teach me or whatever that I'm like, no, that was dumb. Like, uh, you know, or, or, or aspects of their character. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not going to follow that. You know, that's that's um, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and I'm OK with that. And I can hold that in, in, in tension within myself is that I love this person. I think this person is a mentor. But I don't follow every every single bit of of what they did or how they lived their life or whatever you know, or what they said you know it's it's I I, I grabbed grabbed hold of what was fruitful, and then I let everything else go, you know. But we can't do that when it comes to politics and party lines because it's very much like oh, um, uh, I'm a Catholic and you're a Methodist, therefore you're wrong and I'm right, you know. Well, that's, and it, that's true though. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it like that? It's 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 very much religion. It's like you're going to hell and I'm going to heaven because I'm right because I'm I'm yeah. I'm a Republican and you're going and you're going to hell because you're a liberal or I'm a liberal and you're going to hell because you're a Republican. You know, and that's uh, that's so dumb. Which you know, if I didn't like a lot of the stuff that the libertarians had, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, I'd probably vote for libertarian, but you know it's the same thing. It's like the uh, there's aspects of that that I that I really like, and there's aspects of Republicans that I really like. There's aspects of Democrats that I really like. I don't fit any, I don't fit anybody's freaking mold. Well, that's and, the other thing too, because I saw that also. I I remember I saw a good meme or something that was just like they were pointing out fifty social issues or something, and it's like this is very Republican. This is very. Um, you know, Democrat, Republican, Democrat. And it's like, well, I'm a good Catholic, so I believe in all these things. Yeah, exactly. Which sucks, because then he can't vote for anybody. Exactly. And so what do you do? You sit there and you try to you try to vote for the um, uh, the the lesser of, of the evils that are that are presented to you. Is that is that literally what we've come down to is like. Oh, I'm just going to vote for the less. No, it's just you need to you need to work for for subsidiarity. You need to work for change. You need to let your governors know that this isn't okay. And you, whoever it happens to be, whether they're part of your party or not. Yeah. What was that? Uh, the Simpsons when uh, Kane and Kodos were running for oh, president. Yes, and they're what like oh, abortions for everyone. For everybody. <laughs> abortions for all. Very well. No abortions for anyone. Hmm. Abortions for some. Miniature American flags for others. Uh, And the other thing I love, too, is they're like, well, we don't have to vote for you guys. We can vote for a third party. Go ahead. Throw your vote away. (laughs) 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 Poor Ross Perot. Yes, that was great. That was Uh, you know what's funny too because once I remember in 2016, once it became Hillary and 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 Trump, and I'm like, wow, they whittled them down. It's just these two. (laughs) Yeah, I put my cover photo on Facebook with the. Kane and Kodo's uh, election posters. I, there's one, like, they had a picture of some guy's yard with those posters. So I put that up because that's I'm like, awesome. that's where we're at right now. That, that's awesome. I hate both. I hate both these people. Right. And yeah, that's where stuck. we're at. Yep. Yep. I think America's already for a third, for at least a third party. But um, for whatever reason, since like a third of Americans don't vote. Or, or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then then you get all these things because then the other thing too is because you have all the anti-Trumpers out there on Facebook and stuff, and then there's all the 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 and of course they always say go out and vote because they want you to go out and vote against him, right. which I always think is funny because there's going to be a bunch of people who might vote for him if they actually go out and vote, right? So I always wonder why they the silent majority, stuff. yeah, or yeah, but the point too what I was saying is there'll be. 
they're just they're, they're, I've seen the things where it's like this is how we're gonna lose Democrats because you go why well, my guy didn't win so I'm not gonna vote or something like that and I was like really they do that you know I don't know I just I I, I guess you know because I've never like really hitch my wagon to somebody so strongly. Right. Because I don't like anybody that much. Well, I did like John McCain a lot back in the day. <laughs> but, but I mean, that's the only one I can think of. Yeah. You know, but it's just like, I can't see that it's like, I mean, if you're like so super Bernie and then now Biden has it, I don't see how you can't vote for Biden just because he's, He's not Trump. It's like they're so far for Trump. I understand your guy didn't win, but then you're going to be like, well, I'm not going to vote for that guy because I don't like Biden. But it's right. like if you hate Trump that much, I then you got to vote for the other person. Like, but why would you stay at home? It's um, it's like so dumb. Right. You know, but I guess if you hate both people, then it really sucks because then it's like, well, I might as well flip a coin. But right. no. Part but of our then social responsibility, at, though. You know, but then you look into other things, you know, like sometimes you look at vice presidents and sometimes you look at, like, I know you talked about, like, appointing justices. and Yeah, that was my big deal the last election was because it, there were so many justice seats open. You know, I would vote for this person because I think they were going to pick these justice seats or maybe they have this stance on this one little thing is the one thing that's going to push it over. Right. I don't know. I don't know either. I still think it's Kane and Kodos most of the time. It usually is, yeah. You know, the uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church has, like, a whole section on um, uh, public duty for um, the uh, for for um, participation in civil life. It's like literally, he... it's literally, let me see this, uh, from paragraph 1897 to paragraph 1917, is this whole section called participation in social life. I was actually reading it the other day and I was like, um, this whole piece is all about our obligation as Catholics to participate in, um, social life, whether that be, you know, depending, obviously this is a universal catechism. So whether that be in voting or in, um, uh, what's it called? Helping the public order or the common good and whatever it happens to be your, your frame of, of influence or whatever. And, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Participation is a voluntary and generous engagement of a person in social interchange. It is necessary that all participate each according to his position and role in promoting the common good. This obligation is inherent in the dignity of the human person. Like it's literally a tenet of our faith that we participate in the social life, whether that be voting or, um, voting against voting for or or uh, uh, protesting for social change or whatever happens to be that's 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 literally a tenet of our faith <laughs> i don't know i just found that interesting in, in all no, this it, that... no it is good because it's like hey get out there and make sure stuff gets done right because because when we're talking a third of americans don't vote we're talking like that's that's got to be a, a a chunk of those got to be Catholic or Christian in some kind of way because what what's what seventy percent of this country is Christian or something like that right? I don't know, it's smaller every day. Yeah, that's true, but still, it's it's pretty darn high, you know. When you're talking when when you're talking in in thirds here, you know, at least two thirds of our country is uh, I self identify as as Christians, if not more than that, and um. And yet, we don't. Uh, a third of our, a third of our country still doesn't go to the polls. You know, that just doesn't make any sense to me. All right, fold. Um, give us some feedback. Apparently, people didn't like Superman as much. Let us know. <laughs> Hit us up on the social medias. Yes. You know, tell us what you like, what you don't like. Yep. And we'll try to do more of it. Sorry if we ranted too much. Yeah, and uh, give us things you might want us to talk about. If you want, like, the top five census uh, censors that we know, number one's the one in Spain. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that is, a, that is a cool one. That, that, that uh, That's giant. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Other Catholic things? Yeah, yeah. If you have Catholic thing questions or if... Um, you know, whatever you're struggling with, or if you want to try to figure out why, you know, 
why something is the way it is. You know, we'd be happy to talk about any of that stuff too. Um, yeah. Otherwise, you know, keep going in there. Keep staying strong. Hey, find find a reason to get to know your neighbor. You know, there's like I'm going to try to do that. Just find a reason to um, to go over there. Maybe I'll grab my guitar and the next time that they're out there and just start jamming with them. Be like, hey, I know that song. Can I play? And you know. Yeah, and you and I both live on corners, so we don't have as many neighbors. Exactly, yeah, so I could just work on the you know the couple that I got. <laughs> Alright, well yeah, hit us up, social medias, Among Wolves Pod. Yes. Um, Among Wolves Pod. Yeah. Slide into the DMs. Slide into the DMs, do something. Message us, comment, yep. do something. We get a few likes here and there, but Yeah, we do. I don't know. We're just doing what we're doing and I don't know what people want. That's okay. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. Keep on keeping on. Yeah. Alright. Alright. Well, alright. Well, GLT, I hope you like the episode. There you go. Happy confirmations. Yep. Alright. Three, two, one, out. And we, and we out. <laughs>